We found a brand new TV show last night. I know you, you think all I do is sit around and watch TV. I promise I won't step on your guitar, by the way. Um, Storage Wars. Have any of y'all seen this? Oh, yeah. Okay, y'all are crazier than I thought. Um, Storage Wars. We were introduced to it and began watching it last night, and it, it's right up there with Cajun Justice. Have you seen that one? <laughs> I started watching that the other night, and I... Uh, he doesn't trust me. <laughs> I've stepped on him before. But, uh, the uh, Cajun Justice, I just I couldn't quit watching it. It just, you know, episode after episode, it's like a train wreck. You just can't take your eyes off of it. And uh, I, I wondered if maybe they could do a Shreveport Justice. But this uh, Storage Wars, the whole uh, idea behind the show is that uh, every time someone is not able to, to pay their storage fee for their storage building, then it goes up for auction. And maybe this has happened to you before, and uh, you've seen your stuff on TV. But uh, these guys are very interested in buying things in these storage buildings because sometimes it can be quite profitable. They can find all kinds of things, but they can also find all kinds of junk. And so that's the, uh, the wonder of this show, as they go out to place bids at the auction for whatever contents are inside that storage building, all they get to do is just look, they raise the garage door, and they get to look in there and see. And they base their bid uh, on what they see in there. Last night there was an episode where uh, one of the storage units was full of office equipment. And uh, one of the guys, can't remember which one it is, he looked at it and, and figured out how to make a profit off of all of that. He knew where he could sell that equipment. He knew what kind of profit he could make on it. Uh, sometimes they open it up and it's just boxes, cardboard boxes. You can't see what's inside of them. And um, sometimes there's just nothing but junk in there. Uh, but sometimes there's, there are things of real value. And before every commercial... Uh, they always, there's somebody who's opening up a box, maybe he had, there's been nothing at all in there at all of value, just real junk, but then there's this box that opens and there's always this look of surprise, and then it goes to the commercial. <laughs> Every show that I've seen does that. Uh, but one of the ep episodes, the guy opens it up, and sure enough, there's something in there of great value. But sometimes when they open it up, they don't know if it's valuable or not. I think last night there were two guys... It was one of those where you uh, push a button and the people box each other. Uh, you've seen one of those? Rock'em Sock'em. Rock'em Some kind of version of that. The guy didn't know if it was worth any money or not. He needed someone to tell him if it had any value or not. He really needed to know if it was a treasure or if it was just junk. What we've heard from our text here today, from Paul's words, uh, it, it's really all about treasure. It's all about coming to an understanding of what we have. And I hope that you'll realize, just from the songs that we have sung tonight, as well as the, the scripture that has been read, that you will know that you have treasure. That God has placed it within you. But sometimes we forget. Sometimes things happen in our lives that, that just make us feel like we have nothing but junk in our lives. But the reminder here tonight is that we are full of treasure. Sometimes we don't even know what to do with that. We don't know how to identify it. We don't know what to do with what we have. And Paul tells us in this text, this text is so full, just in those uh, 12 or 13 verses, there is so much that is there that we could dwell on tonight. But I want to just pull a few items of, of treasure uh, out of this wonderful treasure chest that's here for us. The, the first thing that Paul mentions is adoption. 
And uh, that's a, a beautiful word that Paul uses because he is writing to the church at Ephesus, wanting them to understand that they are not alone. When people come and persecute them, uh, when they look around and they see just the incredible sin that is around them. And Ephesus was known for uh, their wild entertainment. And as they would look around and they would feel the pressures of their old lifestyle, as they would uh, feel pressures from other religions, or they would feel pressure from family who might be following in a different way, Paul would say to them, don't forget that you're a child of God. Don't forget that you have been spiritually adopted. If you look at these verses in the first part of that, uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and saints just means believers. All of you are saints. We all get to be saints. You don't have to wait and be beatified. Uh, maybe one day you will, but uh, you're already a saint. You don't have to worry about that. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. I think there's another verse that's there. Um, look on the back of your bulletin. <laughs> We're having some technical problems tonight. Uh, if you look here, he says... Uh, holy and blameless before him in love, he destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Wow. Paul is giving wonderful description to the status that they have. And he is wanting them to understand that that God loved them so much that he adopted them into his family. That God loves the world so much that he reconciled it unto himself. And Paul says this is not because you looked good to God. It's not because you've done anything to deserve God's grace and mercy. It is all because of his grace. And he says this grace has been extended to you. This grace brings you into the family. And it gives you hope, and it gives you purpose. But he also mentions that uh, there is this matter of inheritance that's there. If you look down towards the, uh, the end of this paragraph, he says that, In him you also, when you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, you were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things. Paul wanted them to understand, even in the midst of their poverty, not only their physical poverty, but their spiritual poverty, that they could know that they were a part of God's family, that God had included them. He brought them in so that they could be a part, not only for the time that they spent on this earth, but for all of eternity, they could be children of God. I don't know if you've seen this uh, other TV show. Again, I, I hate to... To mention it, but Dallas. How many of you have seen Dallas? Uh, I just assume y'all are all watching TV uh, all the time. But on TNT, uh, they have taken the old Dallas and they put a new spin on it. And uh, it's really, it has many of the same characters. You have Larry Hagman, who is playing JR, and he, is, he just does a, a wonderful job uh, putting um, 
a uh, modern spin to old JR. And then there's Sue Ellen. Sue Ellen is on there. Uh, Bobby, the character of Patrick Duffy, who played Bobby, and then Cliff, and uh, I don't know, several others from the original show are on there. But what they've done is updated it with their families. How many of you remember um, JR's son, John Ross? Everybody remember John Ross? Uh, born into all kinds of scandal and greed and conspiracy and everything else. Well, John Ross grows up, uh, but also uh, Bobby has a son as well, Bobby and Pam. Now, I don't know why Pam is not on the show, but uh, Bobby has a new wife, and uh, they are raising this son, and he's grown now. He is out working on a brand new invention that's going to be able to provide new energy out of... Uh, I don't know, the Sea of China or something. But you see, as the show develops, uh, John Ross and Bobby's son already uh, doing the same thing that J.R. and Bobby used to do. And they are battling with one another for South Fork. Now, I don't know if you've been to South Fork recently, but if you go, you can take a tour. It's just right on the outskirts of Dallas. And it's about as big as this room now. That's about all the property they have. But on the show, they... They show that they're drilling oil on it, and there's this fight over who is going to be able to, to keep the ranch. And it just goes on episode after episode. Uh, but there is this uh, controversy between who actually is the heir to that property. Is it J.R. or is it Bobby? And so then, is it J.R.'s son, John Ross, or is it Bobby's son? Bobby's son, it turns out, was adopted. And so there is this conversation going back and forth about uh, who is the real son, and, and who does this property belong to? And I don't know how that's going to turn out. I guess we'll see. But the uh, adopted son is made to feel like he's not a part of it. But he is. He has every right to the property that the other son does. It's all a matter of adoption. We can feel like we are left alone at times. We can feel like we have no family, that we are not even a part of the, the family of God, that God used to love us, but now he doesn't anymore because we've done this or we've done that or we've drifted away from what he wants us to do. And God continues to say to us, you can know that one of the items of treasure in your treasure box is that you've been adopted. That God takes pleasure in you. As Paul mentions, he, he chose them out of, out of the pleasure of his will. And God chooses you out of the pleasure of his will. You feel like he takes pleasure in you? Also, do you feel like you have an inheritance? Maybe this week you just kind of skimmed by. You, you, you made it through the week. You were able to, to buy some gas or buy some groceries, and, and uh, that was about it. And, and you didn't get nearly what you needed to get. Maybe that's been the story of this past year. Maybe that's not true for you in a physical sense, but in an emotional and in a physical sense, that's the case. Know today that you have an inheritance, and it's all in Christ. One of the things that uh, Paul mentions is uh, throughout the passage is in Christ, in Christ. All of this is located in Christ. But there's a, a second item that Paul mentions, and it is redemption. He talks about the uh, redemption that has been provided through Christ Jesus. And there, uh, if you look back at your, your scripture here, you'll see that Paul is mentioning to them, he says, He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us and the beloved. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. What a beautiful sentence. What a beautiful expression that Paul is giving to God's love. This word redemption really carries with it the idea of being bought back. At least that's how we think of it in, in our economic terms. That uh, you, you may have lost something and now you're buying it back. Or you're redeeming something. You're taking something that has become completely different than what it was supposed to be. And you bring it back to what it is supposed to be. And so Paul really has some legal ideas at work here, but he also has those economic ideas that, that God is buying back those that have been lost. Those that have gone away from him, he has brought back into the fold. And Paul is talking about a universal kind of love, this worldwide love that God loves everyone, and he wants to bring them into his family. And it's not just a cheap kind of, of um, expenditure. He says, lavished. God lavished us with His grace. When was the last time you felt like you had been lavished with anything? Maybe it was Mother's Day, or maybe it was Father's Day, or maybe it was your birthday, or maybe it's just been so long you, you can't even remember what it feels like to have, have any kind of uh, lavishment in your life, if that's a word. There's a, a story that I, I heard uh, not too long ago, and it's a, about... The title of it is, A Man Risks His Life to Bring Adopted Daughter Home. He and his wife had been planning for a long time uh, to have this daughter. 18 years ago, and this, this story is told by uh, Lee Eklov. He says, 18 years ago, my friend Andy and his wife traveled to a South American country to complete their adoption of a little girl. And they were very excited about everything that was going to take place and what she would be like when they got her home. But at the time, this country was gripped by corruption, violence, and political chaos. After Andy arrived, they, that is, anyone who could profit from Andy's plight, kept upping the price for the adoption. So they'd already agreed on, on the price that, that he would need to pay to go through this adoption. But as soon as he got there, it just kept going up and up. When he finally threatened to take the matter to the U.S. consulate, a mysterious figure confronted Andy, warning him of a vague but dreadful consequence. It was like a, a spy thriller, except it was Andy who was caught in the middle of some sinister, dangerous plot. But he refused to leave without his daughter. The odd thing was that Andy had never even met his girl. She was small, and she was helpless. She hadn't won any awards or aced any test. He didn't, he didn't know that one day her smile would light up their living room, or that she'd love their cats and dogs, or that she'd play Mozart pieces on the family piano. For all practical purposes, she was just an orphan, condemned to a life of grinding poverty in a far-flung developing country. But for some crazy reason, Andy stayed there, negotiating with corrupt officials, spending oodles of money, squandering time, and even risking his life to find and win this little girl. Now, 18 years later, Andy was telling me about an intimate high school graduation party for Maria, his adopted daughter. At one point during the meal, Maria unexpectedly stood up and gave a beautiful speech, thanking everyone who had helped her find a better life on Long Island. As Andy told me the story, he was trying to fight back the tears. I got the impression that he could have lived a hundred more years 
or even a hundred lifetimes, and nothing would compare to hearing Maria's spontaneous thank you. And it all started when Andy walked into that dangerous nightmare in an attempt to bring her home. When he finished telling me this story, it struck me that Andy, my non-Christian friend, had discovered the heart of the gospel. God's loving, daring, persistent pursuit of people like you and me. Like Maria, there's nothing we can do to earn God's love. But he still loves us. And he doesn't want to leave us behind. And instead, in the presence of Jesus, God walked into the dangerous nightmare of human sin and pain in order to save us and bring us back home. That's from the book, The Gospel of Matthew, God with us. It's an interesting story. It's a great reminder of how God pursues you and how God pursues me, how God wants us to understand that we have been redeemed, that God, God has already taken care of everything that we need. He's provided forgiveness, and we need that forgiveness in our lives, don't we? We commit all kinds of, of sins against each other. We commit sins against God, and yet God has provided everything we need with his forgiveness. But he also continues to provide us with uh, this grace that he lavishes upon us. I hope as you go throughout this next week that you will feel, that you will experience that grace in your life. Maybe the best grace you need to give is, is, is just to give it to yourself. Take what God has given you and apply it to yourself. Apply it to the failures in your life, apply it to the challenges in your relationships, apply it to your job, apply it to whatever area in your life that is crying out for help right now. And just know that God's grace will continue to flow to that need. Well, the final thing that, that is mentioned here uh, is this weird photo that's up here. It is uh, clarification. So God not only provides this uh, wonderful treasure piece of adoption, and, and we could just consider that all night and as we go into the next week, but he also provides the vehicle for that, which is God's redemption. But it all becomes clear to us. And Paul mentions that here in the scripture. He talks about this mystery of God's will. He has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things, there's that phrase again, in him, things in heaven and things on earth, in Christ we have also obtained an inheritance. And he just goes on and talks about all this, the, the overflow of the mystery of God's will. For them, there really wasn't any more mystery to it. It had been revealed in Jesus Christ. It had been revealed in the fullness of time. This is that, that word that we've looked at before in Colossians, where Paul talks about how everything was created and, and is sustained by Jesus, and, and the fullness of God dwelt in him. And we consider that a lot at Christmas time, how God took on human flesh, how God came into this world, and the humanity and the, the skin. Of Jesus Christ. So there is this fullness that is there, but there's also the gathering. God, uh, Jesus wanted uh, uh, Paul. Excuse me. G, uh, Paul wanted them to understand that all of this 
had come true in their lives, but also that, that God was gathering them all up together in Christ. As you go into this next week, hold up that treasure of clarification, of being able to look at the Bible, being able to look at life, being able to look at, at your relationship with God, and, and being able to see it clearly, that God has cleared it all up for you in Jesus Christ. What is the fullness of your time? To the people of Jesus' time, everything was coming together. The Roman highways, the economy, the, the common koine uh, language that was there, all of this was just coming together at the most perfect time. We think it would have been great to live during that time, to see Jesus and to be with Him. But this is such a time for you. Are you opening yourself up to the fullness of what God has for you in Christ? What will that look like tomorrow? What will it look like on Tuesday? As you go throughout the rest of the week, how will you take in that fullness? How will you allow Him to do that in your life? But then how will you continue on with what Paul mentions here with uh, being gathered up? Have you been gathered up by the love and the grace of God? We tend to run from him. One of the, the stories that we did at Vacation Bible School this past uh, week, and it was, it was great to be able to, to watch them illustrate the story. Uh, I didn't know uh, of the acting ability that Evelyn had, um, but she's a great director as well. She can not only direct, but she can enter in and, and uh, be able to do things with costumes and all that. But one of the stories was about Jonah, and I have some pictures of of the kids, I'll, I'll have to show some time, of them, uh, they're throwing water and they're doing different things and they're considering what it means, uh, what it meant for Jonah to run and to move away from God and to go to uh, Tarsus and, and to get far enough away to where maybe God would forget that he had called him. And we do that as well. We run from God and yet God comes and he gathers us up. And that's what God's trying to do right now in your life. He's trying to gather you up and bring him closer. Are you willing to let him do that? I want to close with a, another story. And it's a, a story that comes from the newspaper, uh, the Chicago Tribune. Uh, the mystery of the missing owner is how this article read. Uh, this was back in 2005. The supplement was actually a legal notice published by the Illinois State Treasurer's Office seeking to give money away to rightful owners. The contents of uh, an abandoned safe, uh, also deposit box, safe deposit boxes uh, that were there, forgotten bank accounts, security deposit checks, uncashed paychecks, and uh, dividend checks. I don't know if you see this every year in the paper, but even in the Shreveport Times, they will publish uh, whoever has money that they could go and collect, maybe money they had forgotten about. But more than a billion dollars was owned to nearly five million people and businesses that the treasurer's office could not trace. The front page of the supplement listed the names and last known addresses of ten individuals or couples, each owed over $100,000. And what followed were 116 pages packed tightly with names from Lucille Ackerberg to Leonard Zeisda. 113,000 names of people all owed more than $100 in cash and or stock. 
It's pretty sad to think about the people who just move on in life completely forgetting the treasure that they have. And it's pretty sad to think about how we do that too. We just move right on through life thinking we're broke when God has given us every bit of treasure. And it's all in Christ. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks.